And it's something that is innate to our calling, innate to our purpose, innate to who we are. So when we see John 4, 1 through 6, it says, again, dear friends, this version says, we're friends in the chat. The New King James, James Version says, beloved, but it doesn't change the meaning of the passage. It says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what we are testing is true prophets from false prophets. Do you follow me? Are we clear? So that lines up with what I shared with you before that of understanding what happens in Babylon is not the kingdom. We can't expect kingdom in Babylon. Babylon cannot produce the kingdom. All Babylon can do is produce from the systems of this world. All it can do is produce from this fallen place of which, you know, the Bible tells us that Satan has jurisdiction over or the enemy has jurisdiction over until everything is reconciled unto the Lord. So we know that. And that is indisputable, indisputable. There is good and there is evil. But in the kingdom, the kingdom belongs to God. And as people in the kingdom, as we grow, as we learn, as we increase in number, as we um, pursue all that God has for us, we're looking in the kingdom for our, our sources and our, our um, beginnings, our endings, everything. So the other part of this passage, it says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. We forget that even now is already in the world. Even now is already in the world. We forget that part. We forget that part. So this whole part of it, um, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. It doesn't mean to just go around saying Jesus is the one who's from God is Jesus. That's not what that means. It's acknowledging the weight of Jesus. It's acknowledging the life of Jesus. It's acknowledging the truth of Jesus. It's acknowledging that Jesus is the son of the living God, that Jesus is, is there's only one way to access the kingdom. And that's through Jesus. It's acknowledging that Jesus has provided us a blueprint for everything. So in order to acknowledge Jesus, we have to acknowledge everything concerning him. It's not just making a statement. That is not what is intended by 1 John 4. That's, he didn't just mean everybody who says I'm saved or, or Jesus is Lord. That, that's, think about that for a minute. Does that make any sense? Because even the devil believes, right? Even the evil spirits believe. The scriptures tell us that. So as we look at this, we need to understand that there is much, much, much more to the acknowledgement than just that. Now, let's look at something right quick with the, um, the um, New King James Version. Again, these are basically the same, but I love that. Um, I love that the King James uses the word confess. I just want to point that out. Every spirit that confesses, 
So if you go through and you look at other versions, if you know anything about Greek translations of the word, that one word has a range of meanings. That's why you end up with one Bible translation that may say acknowledge, another that may say confess, another that may say scream and holler. You know, it's because one word can have 15 different meanings and translators often figure out what what word works best in the sentence. But what we look at overall at the end of the day is, is the same concept translating from, from um, Bible version to Bible version. And I love the literal Bible version. I love those Bible versions that try as best they can for study to do word for word. So <clears throat> I always pull up the new King James because for me, that's one of the best versions of the Bible in the English language. It may be different if you speak Spanish or German or some other language, because then your, your language is going to determine what words are chosen for that passage. For some reason, we think the English Bible is superior. It is not. It's just our language is um, spoken in most parts of the world, but it doesn't make the Bible perfect in its translation. So I like to study from multiple Bibles. I study from anywhere from five to eight Bibles at a time when I'm studying to produce. So we have to remember that. Are you guys with me this morning? With me, we are on a journey and we, and we are walking to a place because we have to know, and we've shared this over the last few weeks, that a lot of what the people that are yelling sorcerers and and what are the word in the church that's super popular is witch. But the Greek word, when it talks about those things, I, I'm gonna, we're gonna be using the word sorcery because that's contextual with the Bible versus contextual with people and their great books and things like that. So we're gonna look at what the Bible says and we're gonna read an article in just a few minutes that kind of um, <laughs> brings us into a, a place of really, really grabbing hold of some of these things that um, we've been talking about these past few weeks. So this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Verse three says, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So we'll know that that part is important too, because people will say things like, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe he's the son of the living God. Or I believe in Jesus, but I just don't, I just think there's more than one way to heaven. I believe in Jesus, but he was just a good prophet. Are you following me? So to acknowledge him is to believe everything concerning him. I always tell you guys um, with the conservatory, it's so important that you know what you believe. Because if you know what you believe and you set these as pillars in your life, nobody can move you from this place. I have pillars in my life. Now, there are a lot of things people teach like about prayer and things like that, that I don't agree with. So, but I have pillars of prayer that I do believe. You know, I believe that I can go straight to Jesus. Nobody will convince me that I have to go any other way than my on my face, laying on the floor in my house. Nobody can convince me that I need to do anything else for God to hear me except to have my heart right. 
That is a pillar for me. So if a new prayer book comes out and they tell me I got to jump up and down and sing Jesus is Lord, I'm going to say, well, you can do that. Maybe God told you to do that. But for me and my house, we're going to go, Lord Jesus, I need you. Our Father, which art in heaven. I'm going to always go back to the access that I've been given, which is common sense to me because Holy Spirit is living on the inside now. Jesus is in me, the hope of glory. Why in the world do I need to go outside of myself to do anything else? Are you following? So we have to know what we know, what we know. If I know Jesus is the way, I'm not entertaining. I'll talk to you. I'll philosophize with you, but you're not moving me. You're not convincing me of anything. And, you know, but there are some things we need to hold loosely. For example, um, things like you can't be saved unless you speak in tongues. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, there's a whole lot of people that won't make it in because 90% of the church don't believe in that. <laughs> no, I'll say no. The, the statistics are actually more like 76% of the church don't believe in that. Right? So are you saying those 76% are not going to see heaven because they've never heard or believed or thought about? Listen, I went to church for years. I never heard of the Holy Spirit. except that he was the spirit of truth. And when I went to seminary, the only aspect of the Holy Spirit I was taught was Holy Spirit as the paraclete. That means a comforter. That mean, I mean, it's like three little things that they believe he does. That's the extent of their knowledge. So for a lot of people, I, you know, if that was all I knew, um, that was enough for me to be saved when I was young. You know, so it's interesting. It's interesting how we process things. But we also have here this passage of scripture, verse five. I'm going to move on. They are from the world and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Let's go back to verse four. I want to read it. Read that together. That didn't sound right. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. In other words, people in the world speaks, lives, thinks, exists from the viewpoint of the system that they are in. Oh, wow. And they listen to each other because they all understand the language of the world. We are from God. We are from the kingdom. And whoever knows God listens to us. Wow. So in other words, we speak to our people like us. We are, we, because we understand the language. We're all from the same community. The language is the same. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So we always want to hold on to those things. And this is what makes the gospel so profound because when you come into the kingdom, you begin the process of deconstructing the world system. 
You don't just walk into salvation with everything finished. That's why we had to look at Simon the magician. We saw that he was baptized and we saw that he was a believer and we know that he was getting teachings on the Holy Spirit because he was being taught not only by the apostle he was following, but later by Peter and John. But we learned from Simon Magnus that because he did not want the fullness of God, he rejected what the gospel was for because he could, he, and he wouldn't let go of what he wanted to do with the gospel. So because of that, he could not hear. He could not hear us. Are you following me? But it wasn't because the devil was necessarily in Simon Magnus in the sense of some spirit blocking him. He made a choice to let the devil stay. Are you following what I'm saying? He liked that part of his old nature. And he didn't want that old nature to leave. So he allowed room for all of those other influences to stay in his life. Simon gave us the example of people who are baptized and they're saved but there are things in their lives they won't let go, like fame, like wanting to be big, wanting to be worshiped, wanting to use the platform to get rich, wanting to be. So when you have that kind of of sorcery operating in the heart of a person, we're going to get, it looks like God, but is it really God? You follow what I'm saying? That's the trap of the time in which we are living in. Oh my goodness. So if you are, if there is a decision made, so if the decision is, I don't care what the Bible teaches, I want to do this, then God is not going to beat you upside the head and force it because what God wants from us is our will. Remember, the biggest thing God wants for us is for us to choose him. Because when we choose him, we enter into full reconciliation. We enter into full transformation. Anything that we need, we become, and we enter the becoming place. Every day we're becoming. Every single day. So this is why I wanted to read this to you because we don't want to deny our, our, um, the fullness of our salvation. We don't want to. But every day, we have that choice and that opportunity to do so. Now, I want to I share something with you because we're going to look at the sons of Sceva. But before we go to the sons of Sceva this morning, I want to read something to you. I'm recapping um, some of the things that we've talked. And But I'm reading it from an article. This is not my article. This is from the book, The Greek Magical Papyri in Translation. Okay, there's a lot of books. It sounds secular, but it's a book that's defending some biblical concepts. And it is um, dealing with magic in the New Testament, right? So there's a lot of scholarly books available that don't sound like our prophetic books, but they are great books. This is um, Acts 19, 
13 through 20. But before you go there, don't post it just yet. I'm going to ask Sade to post Acts 19, 13 through 20 in just a minute. But it says this, it says, most people in the ancient world believed in the power of protective magic. This is why I love history behind the Bible. Just listen to this. This is a scholarly article, well-researched. This isn't somebody having a dream and telling you what they saw in a dream. This is research, history, actual things that we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt were taking place in the time that Acts 19 was written. Most people in the ancient world believed in the power of protective magic. According to Clint Arnold, Jewish magic was famous in the ancient world. In his monograph, Magic in Ephesus, he detailed magical practices in the Ephesian, oh my goodness, in the Ephesian community using magical items, but the Jews function as exorcists and magicians may come as a shock to many believers today. Now, one thing, and this, the Sons of Sceva is about that. That's why I'm giving you the background. If you ever watch a lot of old shows, um, exorcism, horror movies, whatever, you'll always see a Catholic practice of people um, trying to cast out devils with, with talisman and oil and water. Now, we know that that stuff doesn't work. There is no power in oil. There's no power in water. And there's no power in a cross. The power is in our faith. The power is in our belief. And the true power is in Jesus. And we know all the work of healing, all the work of breakthrough and breaking free is in the hands of Holy Spirit, right? So the power, the action, the one who does the action is the spirit of the living God. Do we agree? Now, in ancient Israel, just like in the church today, there were many different denominations. We don't often think about that, but it was. You had um, Orthodox Jews who followed the letter of the law, and you also had people that were in cults. We have our Christian cults today, agree? There is absolutely no doubt that we have those. It was no different then. So while the gospel is being preached again, when, when we look at um, the sons of Sceva, and we'll be there in just a minute, recognize that this was the first time in the history of the Bible that the gospel was ever preached in these regions. Prior to the gospel, there was one little nation called the nation of Israel. That was a small nation. It wasn't the whole world. It was just the people that God had chosen. They were among thousands of other people that practice other religions. Are you following me? So they lived in a magical realm. Different gods, different, I mean, just hundreds of them. I have a book, that, at least this thick, with all the gods of all, in all the um, world. This thick, full of pictures, historical artifacts, archaeological evidence, and a lot of them, and what's interesting about all these gods, it's hard to talk about them without talking about the impact Christianity had 
on all of these gods. I mean, it's just un unbelievable the impact Christianity has had. I'll share that book with you inside the um, Scribal Prophets group today. So now listen, this was normal. <clears throat> so the other part of this I want to share before I finish reading the article is that people weren't after you. These were just people practicing their religion. They weren't coming for you. It was just people in the world doing what the world does. So very important. They're not they're trying to get you. They weren't trying to do this and that. These people became angry with Christians because Christians were taking away their power, their authority, their position. Oh my goodness. Listen, I don't know how this is going with you guys, but I hope that you are just following along with the story because it helps us because we, you know, we call everything a witch and a warlock. You chew a piece of gum the wrong way in our day and time, and that looked like a witch. Isn't that what well, you know? We just it's ridiculous. But that's why we're switching to the word sorcery, because I don't I can't use that word witchcraft because People label everything that they don't like in the church, which they give people witch or witchcraft or warlike. They give people no room to grow. If you were if you were a practicing sorcerer, just say you have to deconstruct all of the constructs you've had your whole life. Everything grandma taught you about putting that salt under the bed. Everything about jumping the broom. Everything about the bridesmaid's veil. The wedding dress. Yes. If we're going to come to things, we need to know what they really are and what they symbolize. These people were just, oh, that's not the real guy. They were used to the rock being thrown down and turning into stuff. I mean, you know, this. it, it was... They were practicing their faith. So let's finish the story. In his monograph, Magic in Ephesus, he details magical practices in Ephesians as well as Jewish use of magic and talisman to ward off evil. It is no surprise to find people in Ephesus who are not only using magical items, but that Jews function as exorcists and magicians. Many Jews found a lucrative trade selling incantations and amulets in Ephesus. Ephesus. Jewish exorcists are well known in the ancient world, especially in Ephesus. See, for example, Josephus Antiquities, and then it gives you where to find that. And Jews were especially famous for magic. Jewish names were especially thought to have magical powers as illustrated by, and there's a reference there. We're not going to say that out loud because that's not a scripture. Some of these Jewish exorcists have begun to use the names of both Jesus and Paul as power words. In other words, they began adopting the language of the apostles. Same thing we do today. So we think it's crazy when people who, who now are psychics are using the word prophetic. But that's what they do. In their world, 
That's what they do. They have always adopted language that draws crowds for their service. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes, but but they don't see it as they see it as um well, let's just say it this way. In Christianity, we are always copying business practices that come from the world. We didn't innovate them, but we go and get them and we bring them into the church. It's the same thing. We see a song, a dance step that they're doing in the world. We come in and we say, well, that's going to sound good in the church. Now, all your music sounds just like the world, but we think it's okay because we better than them. So I had to flip it because if I don't flip it, we're going to always see it from one lens. Now we wonder what in the world wrong with the church, right? Well, we didn't hold our worship sacred. That's the first thing that went wrong. Second thing, we wanted to be relevant and we want to be liked. We twisted up becoming all things to men as meaning dress like them, look like them, dance like them, sound like them. And that doesn't mean that. But when the world, when the world system take our terms and start calling everything prophetic because they see us acting like a circus, they see what we are doing with the prophetic. Think we can throw the prophetic. Think we can wave a little finger in the air and everybody fall out. But when the people of the world see that, then we make it because they use it. <laughs> that is what happens. See, set apart and elect means distinct. There has to be something that distinguishes us from everybody else. So before we go out there talking about, man, these psychics calling this prophetic, the Lord keeps telling me constantly change your language, Teresa, because come the words are coming now. They will when now when people start using the words that we're bringing out now, then we'll flip back to the old words and redefine them. Do you follow what I mean? I want this to become clear. I want this to become clear. Even in ministry, I don't have to do ministry like everybody else is doing it. Oh my God. I can follow the discipleship pattern Jesus has given me as long as the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. As long as the good news is going forth, be people being made disciples. Not made prophetic, made disciples, knowledge of God, understanding who he is, why he is here, what his eternal intention is. That, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Oh my goodness. Wow, 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 wow. Listen to this. So the word Skiva means chief priest. Most people think it's just the name of a person, but it means chief priest. In other words, the sons of Skiva were sons of the chief priests who practiced magic and who practiced exorcism. It wasn't just the name. But again, our English language, the translation 
can't really capture certain things that are written in the Greek manuscripts, which is why we need to go back and study. <laughs> so it says here, here it says here that um, some of these Jewish exorcists have begun to use the name of both Jesus and Paul. They were even praying in the name of Paul. Listen, but we see it all the time in our church. My pastor said, my pastor said, my pastor. So people pray in the name of their, 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 their leader all the time. It's not what Jesus said. What, what, what was wrote in this book? What they said, what, the scriptures, right? <laughs> but we do it all the time, but we love to say, look at them, look at them. Some of these Jewish exorcists, exorcists have begun to use the names of both Jesus and Paul as power words to cast out demons. This is the only place in the New Testament where the Greek word exorcist is used, which lets us know when we get to this conversation about the sons of Sceva, we know without a shadow of a doubt that they were magicians. In the name of Jesus, trying to do it. Wow, wow, wow. Sceva is identifiable as a chief priest, but in the scripture, not a high priest, but a chief priest. And, but it was his sons who were attempting to cast out this demon. When commanded, the demon reverses the usual process and exercises the exorcist. <laughs> you know and it's it's funny it was funny to me so i'm gonna skip down and read this luke reports that many who were already believers openly confessed their sin of magic and publicly burned their scrolls scrolls their magic books and luke uses luke uses the perfect tense to describe these musicians magicians he said they have already believed in Jesus and were saved, but they had not given up their ma magical practices yet. Now I'm going to show it to you in scripture. So it's so important to not let a proselyte lead. A lot of what we're seeing on social media today is new believers instantly becoming prophets. New believers instantly becoming apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers or general ministers of the gospel. It's not that people are controlling people, it's that all of the world has not shaken out. And that there's a fullness, that there is a maturity that we must be brought into. Are you with me? Are you with me? Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Oh, Lord, this is good to me. Because we love killing people at their beginning. We love um, calling everybody a witch instead of understanding they're in the way. It's crazy in the way of themselves and in the way of learning. In the way of... So, so what we try to do, what I try to do with people is you can, you can correct. But look, sometimes we need people to see if you can befriend folks and build a relationship with them so you can teach them. 
One of the things that I learned a long time ago, even if you see a prophetic gift or an office on people, we have people running around every day, I'm a prophet, but you don't know the word. You've been saved 15 years, don't know where a single scripture is and can't give a simple definition of a prophet that makes sense. Doesn't mean you're not, it means you're underdeveloped. So what we end up having are people operating in gifts without understanding and without going through the process of no longer being magicians. They're unhealed. Unhealed. <clears throat> wow. Wow, 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 wow. So here we go. Let me pull up this, this, this passage of scripture. So if, if Shade, if you don't mind, copy um, Acts 19. Let's see. Verses 11 through 20 in the 11 through 20. Acts 16, 11 through 20, or someone, whoever sees that first, so that it's in the chat. But listen, we're going to read from verse 19. Okay, so here it goes. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Oh my goodness, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. I won't talk about this again. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Didn't I just share with you that there are a lot of people in the faith, most of the church only know the Holy Spirit as a paraclete. They don't know Holy Spirit as an indwelling, as the voice of God, as, as their discernment, as moving in the spirit, as being led of the Lord. They don't know him in a way that causes him to be able to meld and direct with their life, direct their lives like we do. So he said, and he said to them, into what were you baptized? And he said to them, and they said to him, we were baptized in the John's baptism. John's baptism is only water. That was fine before the Holy Spirit came. Right? Paul wanted to hear, I've been baptized in the Holy, Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's what Paul wanted to hear. Oh my God, because he knows that the feeling of the spirit is the difference maker. Maker, It's the distinction. Oh my God. We're not distinguished because we shave our head. We're not distinguished because we all look like plastic Barbie. We are distinguished because, listen, of the spirit of the living God. He is the distinguisher. Period. Wow, 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 wow. They were baptized in the John's baptism, which is not enough. Whoa. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance. See, John's baptism was about you admitting your guilt. 
The baptism of the spirit is about you being filled with the promise of forgiveness. There's a difference. Water versus spirit. They needed the elevation, not the standard. See, standard is common, right? Because everybody doing it. The uncommon is the spirit, which is limitless. When they heard this, and look, the word this is emphasized. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, they were not baptized in the name of John, but in the name of Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. My God, my God, my God. A whole bunch of magic magicians just got saved. Now, we can't expect these magicians to just walk off Rabbi Shah and the Lord said. It takes time. It takes time. For three months. Now listen, I love the dates and times here. And, and if you know anything about Bible history, they taught from sun up to sundown with meals in between. This is all they did. They didn't have rest days, like, like in the sense of, I need a break because it's Tuesday. They had a day of rest. You know, some of them probably still practice the Sabbath. But my point is, this was their full-time job. They went in eight hours a day, 12, 15. They filled up stadiums, synagogues. Oh, my God. Reasoning, not just preaching what the Lord said, but convincing them, persuading them concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But they only did this to the people that wanted to listen. But here we go. But there were some who were hardened. In other words, they had pillars where they made up their mind, no matter what Paul said, that it wasn't true. You follow what I'm saying? <coughs> How many of us sit around every day listening to pastors and preachers with a made up mind? We can't hear anything they're sharing because we are already convinced that we know it all. Hello, Teresa. Hello, Teresa. We all do this, consciously or subconsciously. And this continued for two years. Listen, two years, not even counting the months that they were already in Ephesus. I think this was Paul's second missionary journey also. That's important. Um, and this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia, 
Oh my God, wait till you get a book that I'm gonna show you in the Scribal Prophets group and you see all the gods that were in Asia. But I love this because Paul wasn't worrying about which God was over this region and which God, I'm just, I'm just look, I'm just saying, if, we, if that's where you're at, be there. I wanna give you a nugget just to have you consider what's important. Because for Paul, it wasn't so important coming against them through the coming against these different gods in the way that we see people do it today. But he came against them by teaching them the gospel. I've always told you guys for as long as you've known me, since I've ever taught, ever, not just in the conservatory, but we teach devils out. We've seen people get free through teaching. And this is what Paul was doing. Devils scream when they get touched by the Lord through understanding. They cannot stay where they are no longer believed or welcome. I'm going to say that again. They cannot stay where they're no longer believed or welcomed. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. This is Paul's life. Let's not covet it. This was a moment in time. Has it happened since? Yes, but everybody don't have this kind of anointing or this kind of release of the spirit. People have tried to claim it, but their handkerchiefs were for money. Not by divine design for free. All right. And so that's another story. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Why in the world would that be there if it wasn't for us to understand this was Paul's call? Paul, it didn't say by every believer, every apostle, it said by Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the, the diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. My God, my God, my God. Paul, but if you if you follow Paul's journey, the Lord told him to go into this region. The Lord told him who, who to preach to. The Lord told him who to connect with. A lot of that is in the book of Acts. He was set up for this moment because he was doing what God called him to do. This wasn't a part-time encounter. This was Paul's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Three years of manifested consistency, sacrifice, beatings. I mean, my God, this was his ministry. This wasn't a fly by night. I just feel led to go down the corner and preach to the. This was his life. He was building this region. Very important. He was in his vocation, not just a move. But in his vocation. And so then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, the chief exorcists, the Jewish who all they, they were mixing their faith as Jews in with their magical practices. Um, it was one of the sects, took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. 
See, they recognize, they didn't recognize their own evil spirit, <laughs> you know. But this is why I'm sharing this with you right now. What happened to them is really unimportant to this lesson today. We're not going to talk about that part so much. But we are going to talk about how a lot of people see the miracle signs and wonders that take place. They see the power of God that's happening in the midst. And they're following, they're, they've been following for three years. And now, you know, they're following. They have this huge following, not talking about the church. I'm talking about the people right here. They had this huge following and they saw a threat to that. And they knew the miracles, the signs and the wonders that they performed by magic. Remember, as a man thinketh, so is he. You will have what you say. You know, the scripture tells us all the time that if you believe certain things, so what we manifest what we believe, whether we're with the mind of the kingdom or with the mind of the world. If you think you're a junk, you think you're crap, you think you're unworthy, your life will manifest that. Because we were created to be great. We were created to, so we're not gonna use the authority given in us for, for good and we use it for bad. We're gonna create an atmosphere for that. But I know God loves me. I'm beloved. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I was created in the image of God. I'm powerful. God chose me for a purpose. If we're believing these things, we're going to manifest the kingdom because those things come from the mind of Christ. That's why I'm already always saying to you, choose. Choose life or death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Choose this day who you're going to serve. The God of or the God of, we have to make a decision. So these people are with, with the apostles, following them behind them and, and, and walking with them, learning how they operate, seeing how they draw crowds. For them, they're seeing a business model. <laughs> That's what's happening. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva. So listen, some of these people were probably baptized up in here. But they made up in their mind or they believed their only point of reference, their whole lives were, we make money off of this. This is how we live. This is what we do. It's the same thing. They thought it was the same thing. They just going to say, okay, I can keep them. We, if we use the name of Jesus, we're going to keep our status. We're going to keep our, our money. We're going to draw the people. They couldn't have survived without it. But they never changed in their heart. And the evil spirit answered. So this is the son, seven sons of Sceva, Jewish priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? 
Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I read some interesting stories. Um, this story is in the book of Josephus, who was a Jewish historian of that time. And he kept meticulous records. Um, this was funny though, because they were like, some of, there were some people who didn't believe Jesus, but after they saw that, they fell on their face and they began to worship him. And they said that these guys in the in the extra biblical books, they talked about how these um, guys became the ridicule of the city. They were always remembered for running stark raving naked out of the building after the demons attacked them. So it became a joke in the city. It wasn't intended that way, but they were the only people affected. But let's go on. It said, this became known. Oh, here it is. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord was magnified because of the grace that was on Paul's life at this time. And in this moment, the Lord allowed that incident to propel the gospel message. That's not gonna happen for everybody. You can't go and pray and ask God. This was a specific miracle, not saying it doesn't happen, but we wanna make sure that this was Paul's grace for the circumstance and situation that was before him. And it says, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. So, and many who had believed that they, some were already believing, but I want you to see that they were all mixed up. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their scrolls is what most books say and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Those magic books were worth 50,000 pieces of silver so you know i want to do something real quick let's see what that would equate to today in our money terms let me look okay um hold on just give me a minute In our day and time, that would have been, in our day today, that would be the equivalent of $142,000. Oh, my God. $142,000. That's what those magic books were worth. So the word of the Lord grew mightily. In other words, they financed the kingdom with that. Those people gave what they valued. That magic. God got the wealth of the heathen. <laughs> oh my God. So, so we have to recognize magic and how do we do that by looking at this pack this 
These people were high status. First of all, these seven signs of Skiva. But the mind of magic had not shifted in them. All this that they're listening to, it wasn't just the signs of Skiva. We heard the scripture before that tell us that there were other magicians and sorcerers there. Paul's church was made of people who practiced sorcery. They weren't just following other gods. They were practicing witches and warlocks. And I have a question for you. How did he deal with them? Did he tear them up because of their belief? How can you tear up a culture? Magic was their culture. It was all they knew. He did it by teaching the gospel message first. And as he taught, he delivered them. As he taught, their minds transformed. As they learned, as understanding came, they got free. The distinction is recognizing who is in the midst. And we know that even the devil knew the presence of the Lord and knew that was not God. Is this helping you guys? How the devil gonna know the presence of the Lord? See, we think, it's so funny how we think the devil don't know. But there are so many instances in the Bible in which it's evident. This is one of the number one examples. It's not my time yet. What? What? Just listen, why? Because even darkness re re recognizes light. What am I trying to say? We got to make sure we lit up. Because the distinction is Holy Spirit on the inside of us. It's our light. It's our knowledge of God. It's understanding who God is and who he isn't. It's understanding what he wants. It's recognizing whether we're leading to eternal intention or whether we're leading to something temporary. Oh my God. Oh my God. So Acts 16, last passage of scripture. We're going backwards. So we're three chapters ahead. Um, yeah, so let's see where I want to go with this. If somebody can post... Um, Hold on, let me see. I'm, I've lost my spot. X 16. I'm not going to read all of this. Okay, so we're going to start at um, verse 16. We're going to skip all of the other stuff. But if you were to look at um, verse 16, one through, well, chapter 16, X 16, verse one through... Um, I'll say one through 15, you're going to learn about all the different places that Paul um, visited or what, or that he was going to visit or would visit. And when you just do a historical search and you look at um, Galatia, you look at Phrygia or, or however you pronounce that, um, you look at Mysia or you look at Bithynia, 
Look at what gods and things they worshiped in those areas. Look at what the religion was um, in those areas. It'll really open your eyes. Um, then we there's Lydia. So we go down to verse 16. And so Paul is still on, um, still preaching the gospel. He's still moving through different places and having different encounters and staying for a long time. This is the beginning of one of the beginnings of his journey. So verse 16 says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So basically he, he was, he was dealing with a psychic, straight up psychic, no qualms about it. So we know that psychics deal in familiar spirits, necromancy, they talk to the dead, um, they have familiars, they, they listen and look through animals, they, they tarot card readers, they um, read the stars, horoscopes, um, alignments, they speak from nature, they watch, they, 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 all of their hearing comes from everything outside of God. They don't hear because all of our hearing comes from Holy Spirit. That's the distinction. That's a distinction. We hear by the Spirit of God, period. There's no other means that we hear. Now, God reveals himself to us through his creation, but it's not the same thing as what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who deal in sorcery. That's why we're using the word sorcery. The Greek understanding of sorcery is called dealers of poison. Go look up the word sorcery in any expounding Greek dictionary and you will get the phrase dealer of poison. Not just chemical poison, but spiritual poison. We have a lot of spiritual poison dealt in the church today. I'm not making it up. This is not my words. This is study. It's study. Go study. Use more than one dictionary. Study from ancient times to know what ancient times had to say. Webster's can't help you. Wikipedia is not going to be your friend on this. So it says she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So now we know that fortune tellers had a high skill system at work. We know that they had senior um, witches and warlocks. They had senior sorcerers that they answered to. They were organized. We can say that they had covens or associations or guilds. More than likely, it was a guild of some kind. Listen. I want to say again, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. But for some reason, she decided to follow Paul because she wanted to see how they could make some money. And she saw all the people following Paul. They saw the threat that the church was to their line of work, to their business. They didn't want to be saved. They weren't interested in the gospel in this example but they're following around, looking and seeing what they can get 
and mimic. Is that copycat thing again. But in Paul's case, you got the wrong one. Right? In Paul's situation, she's following the real deal. She's not following someone that's going to invite her into the church. Because if we look in the book of <laughs> Revelation, um, the, the, um, John said that he had, that God had one thing against one church and that they let Jezebel sit at the center of the church. And that sense, we can see that the problem was y'all letting, letting sorcery into the church. You're letting mixture into the church. You're agreeing, you're, you're operating dually. But we know from scripture that that was God's church. God said, I have one ought against you. He didn't say, I'm kicking you out the church. I'm kicking you out the kingdom. He said, I want you to clean up your house. He said, I have one ought. This is the only thing you're doing wrong in the whole church. See, when people preach those seven churches, they never take into the account that Jesus was like, I'm with you, but you're doing this. They forget that part. They too busy attacking Jezebel, attacking everything that's wrong than to say, oh, God is with this church, but they got a few things that aren't quite right. Let's eradicate those things. Let's, and so that's what those letters were doing. Those letters were going to those churches to give them a warning to clean it up before judgment came to their house. So love was in that letter. Hope was in that letter. Are you following? I'm at the end of this. Here we go. Because that wasn't what this was about. So she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God. These men are servants of the most high God. Most are telling you, um, who are telling you the way to be saved. So she was being a hype man. I want you to see this. You got a young girl who's being groomed by other sorcerers who's already practicing a, a young woman, a, a female slave, um, who was um, uh, making a great deal of money for her owners, whoever there may have been. The owners could have been other rich people who were delving into magic and they were looking to make money. It could have been the people that were over her, you know. But I'll tell you why I believe it's the sorcerers coming up next. So here we are, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. So Paul, like many of us, just watched her. Just watching the behavior, finding out who she is, who she tied to. He had to, or else he wouldn't have known her position. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, speaking to her, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And remember, Paul had the authority and anointing for this kind of stronghold. He identified it immediately. At that moment, the spirit left her. You know, she fell out under the power of the spirit. <laughs> but listen to this. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face authorities. In other words, as long as that girl 
could lure people into a money pipeline and figure out a way to make money off of the anointing on Paul's life, they were fine with him preaching. They were fine with him teaching in that region as long as he didn't interfere with the alternative plan. What in the world does this have to do with today? A lot of pastors don't like when new ministers come into town. Instead of uniting, we tear them down. A lot of people don't like collaborating with other ministers. I have a hard, ministers and ministries. I have a hard time with that. I've reached out to people, but I'm pretty sure most of it is because they don't like my doctrine. But sometimes if you are, are in an environment and you're, we're, we're like, what distinguishes us? We should be happy when another ministry comes into town of great influence. That really is of God. We should be, we should, we should be glad when um, another publishing company shows up. Not, not, I mean, I'm just saying in a ministry type setting, it doesn't matter if you got 10 publishers in, in one church, who cares? That just means there are more options for the people. But if we are struggling and fighting, and if we are, are, are sabotaging and we're sending spies out and we may call it something else, but is it really the same thing in so many ways? Oh my goodness. Paul knew the difference because of the end game of this girl, because of the intel that he was able to get being manipulated and and you right in the midst, you're luring people away to other ministries and you're in the middle of somebody else's ministry. You're, you're telling them, come over here. Look, they, they, that's a, they're good preaching and teaching, but look, we can do that too. That's what's coming behind all of this. And it was poison. She was dealing in poison. Oh my God. Oh my God, listen, people don't think that there's a lot of, of teaching on witchcraft and examples in the Bible. Um, you know, sorcery is a big deal. It comes in all kinds of ways when we can identify it, especially operating in the new covenant and not there's tons in the old covenant too, too much, but I like the new covenant because we get to see how Jesus dealt with it. And we get to see how the apostles dealt with it because they weren't praying suffer a witch to live. They were in the mind of doing it the way Jesus said, the better way is now pray for those who wrongfully use you. Paul, instead of throwing her out, Paul healed her. Paul set her free. He did. The sons of Sceva there was no opportunity for them because their mind was made up. They, there was no opening. There was nothing. We have a lot of choice before us today and how we approach this. But I want you really, really, really conservators. And thank you for guests for being here. But I really want you to begin to look at that word sorcery and begin to look at the concept of dealer of poison which is what was used in the language in the time that the Bible was written. They understand dealers of poison. 
if we understand witchcraft from that perspective, there's a cascade of things that we can address. Control in the church, having to get permission to go speak or preach somewhere instead of just notifying a leader. I mean, this is, I'm just, just giving you ideas. I know some of it is culture, but I want to put you on a, on a broader thought process. And I want you to know that when we're looking at things like um, psychics and, and new age, the, 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 the uncommon and unnecessary fixation on that, if we want to combat these things, we have to make sure we're teaching foundation. We have to make sure that the people assigned to us know the voice of God from the voice of a stranger. When we come into contact with people, who do these kinds of things. We have to learn how to do what the apostles did, what Jesus did. Teach them Jesus. Reason with them. Three years reasoning. Not rebuking and killing people that don't even understand what you're talking about. You know, there's a lady in my city who um, I'm not going to say the name of her ministry because everybody knows her. She's a professed Christian and she has a ministry, uh, a psychic ministry, and she reads and she does use the tarot cards, but she also preaches and teaches from the Bible. So I've done research, at, you know, over her ministry and different things. I reached out, um, showed up at a couple of things. It's out of curiosity, not anything that I would dare put on Facebook or tell people about because people will assume, oh, Y'all must be buddies. But if we were, you better believe that it would be a Paul situation. But there's no relationship. I just wanted to know. And what I saw was a hatred for Christians, religious people in the church because of abuse and mistreatment. What I saw was a real prophetic gift that is preferred. People looking for answers and a whole lot of bitterness that is so turned because of mistreatment in the congregation and among people of God being growing up around Christians that there is no access to a message of truth. And, and from where I was sitting, and I knew that was not my assignment. But I know that my role is Whenever I see things like that are drawn to them, I'm like, Lord, send somebody who can speak the language of the kingdom. Send somebody with the patience to reason. Send someone, because this is a gift that is lost. What an asset to the kingdom this person would be. But they're drawing Christians. Are you following? People who believe are leaning toward that. But when we are not giving people foundations and we're not operating in the principles that Jesus taught us and everything is for sale, I'm talking gospel, not your business. Everything is for sale. If you're gonna have a prayer conference, you gotta pay for the building. I'm not talking about that. You can't even reach most people for ministry without 
a payment. As long as we are mixing the world with the church, we're going to get this. And I mean mixing, just mixing. You have to figure that out from where you are because I know in my community, um, just in general, you know, I try to teach people not to copy. Now, you don't have to do that just because it's popular. I know that's the latest trend. I know everybody's looking like Barbie and, and everybody's looking like Ken, but you don't have to do that. If that's not what you want, be plain Jane if you want to. Be yourself. It don't matter if they won't come to your church because you ain't cute. That's not why you having it anyway. I remember Paul said, Paul said something so profound. He said, you all took me in and you believed me and you listened to my teachings, even though my, I was sick, even though my body was beat up even though my legs are bent, even though, I mean, I, by the time I got through reading that, I had to go up and look, what did Paul look like? And the pictures and things they had of him is nothing like, you know, what how we teach him in the Bible. And, you know, and we see all these beautiful pictures of Jesus, and it's a whole psalm that tells us Jesus was ugly. He was not handsome. He was not good looking. He came the opposite of the priesthood. Whole scripture. He was the opposite of the Levitical priesthood. He contradicted everything that the priesthood represented. He was, he was born in a low place. Not a high place. I mean, it's just one thing after the other, but it's just amazing. You, you guys, that, that's a really good scripture. The script, the, the word of God does not have any Hebrew language does not have a word for ugly. That's an American word. We, you know, they have, they said he wasn't, it's another word they used. I can't think of it. But if you have that scripture posted in the chat, it's a good one. Calmly, that's what it was called, calmly, calmly. But if you do your research on that word, it's all equivalent to that. But he was also physically broke down. By the end of Paul's ministry, he was blind. He was um, very sick and he talked about it. But we have people walking around. We just speak life. Paul spoke life, but he also acknowledged the reality of his condition and spoke life to that condition. So God bless you. Father, I thank you that nothing that has been shared today, Lord, that people will read and understand things in context that no assumptions will be made, that they will go back and listen to the other teachings. And Father, if they just listen comprehensively, they will see a picture has been paid. Not one teaching that can stand alone, even though this one can, but Lord, that, that there's a whole world of understanding that undergirds what we have covered today. In no way, Lord, are we defending or standing for any kind of witchcraft. We're trying to put things in perspective so that we can distinguish what the Bible is speaking about, about versus what men put in place and what they come up with and add to your word. Father, we want to be clear so that we're not judging and criticizing ourselves or thinking that every bad thing that we've done means we have a stronghold or Lord, or that some decision we made is something haunting us that must be ripped away.
Father, some things are just instantly a change of mind can take care of. Some things, Father, are just us falling out of agreement with old patterns and old behaviors and old thought process. Some things, Father, are indeed deeper than that. Some things are trouble in our bones, God, trouble in our minds, and that we're able to know what those things are from other things. Father, that we're able to recognize what people are when they're not in the faith, where we won't kill them before they enter the faith. And Father, knowing when to be strong and when to stand, because sometimes, Father, those things can be the difference between a person entering the kingdom or being repelled by it. We just want the wisdom of God. We want discernment that is based on, on what you teach concerning what is good and what is evil, not on feelings, emotions, Lord, or seeing through the eyes of familiar things that we've been taught. Father, we stand with you today. And we ask, Father, that, that Lord, that you open the eyes of our understanding. That we understand that the kingdom is undergirded by the love of God. That his desire is that no man perish, but that all come into the knowledge of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.